Murphy, and this is the Toasted Sister Podcast, radio about indigenous food. A farm on the Fort Apache Reservation hosts an annual Apache Harvest Festival every year. This year, I was able to attend and get a taste of some traditional Western Apache foods like acorn stew, corn mush, and Apache Kool-Aid. At the festival were about 20 food booths under two large shade structures on the farm. And everyone who came got a green Inde Bikeyat bag with a fork, spoon, utensil thing, and a coffee cup. When things started rolling, people were carrying around samples of food and bags full of produce from the farm. And a couple of hot fires burned just outside of the shade, where one of them was providing heat for a clay oven, and the other kept three large pots of stew and quinoa boiling. I took pictures from this visit, so head on over to ToastedSisterPodcast.com to see those photos. Okay, so here we go. I first met with Anna Ditzer. She's the Inde Bikeyat Farm Education Coordinator. I recently got hired, I'd say about a month ago, so this is all brand new and it's invigorating but also like nerve-wracking at the same time. And you know, with this Harvest Festival, the whole point of it is to bring Apache foodways and our culture back to our people because we noticed that a lot of our, especially our younger generation, we're losing that knowledge of foodways. We don't, we don't remember how to make our tulip pie. We don't remember how to harvest corn, uh, seed-saving things that were basics that our ancestors knew. So part of this Apache Harvest Festival is that everybody from all walks of life, all generations, can benefit from this. So we have here like booths as like Apache foodways for um, Apache trail mix we have corn mush and our base our diet is mainly corn so if you were to come here you would see that there's a lot of uh, dishes that center around corn and we also have a cafe Gajon who will be doing the main dishes and each dish tells a story like we have the three sisters and we have uh, also the Apache Kool-Aid but I just um, want again to say thank you guys for listening and my name's Anna. What is Apache Kool-Aid? I guess I'll, I'll uh, swing by and ask them, the, uh, but what is it? So Apache Kool-Aid, um, I cannot pronounce it right because I just, I, every time I say it, it's always something different. But with Apache Kool-Aid, it's uh, berries that are local from around here. And with that, we don't really add, uh, we don't add the granulated sugar. We add like, if anything, honey, or we add uh, sugar cane to it to sweeten it. But it is, it does have a bitter taste. It's um, pretty good once you like get used to it. You have to have an acquired taste for it. Next, I met with Rachel. Her booth focused on mesquite. My name is Rachel Beauty, and I'm from Camp Verde. And my title at the Yavapai Apache Nation Culture is Apache Culture Intern. 
So um, uh, you, you have a booth here, to, and it's um, all about mesquite, mesquite mm -hmm. flour. Tell me about mesquite and the process of uh, milling it. Um, well, there now we use um, modern mill, not so much as you know the old grinding stone. So it's a lot faster. We can produce a lot more. And we're able to help people in our community uh, understand the better uses of it, other than uh, traditional uh, adopted culture, you know, of flour. So um, it helps with uh, diabetes too. So it's a natural sugar. So it's good for baking products. All right. So uh, tell me what mesquite looks like. It comes from a tree, right? Yeah, the mesquite plant, um, it's uh, actually a long stem pod, yeah, and it's, uh, it comes in a variety of red and yellow, so. What is your favorite uh, product to make from the mesquite flower? Uh, the brownies, yeah, we make mesquite brownies. Um, we use the modern uh, brownie mix, but we only used half of it, and then we uh, used half of the mesquite flower. Is it right now a uh, mesquite season? Yes, yes. Um, I, I just encourage everyone to, you know, look into it and, you know, um, try and make it a part of their, um, you know, cooking because it is beneficial, it's more healthier, and it helps get away from the extra sugars that we're intaking, so. And what does it actually taste like? I don't think I've ever had anything made with mesquite flour. Is it, um, you know, like like uh, almond flour or other nut flours like that? It has a specific taste to it. Um, can can you describe the taste? It's its own flavor, but it's it's sweet. So um, I'm pretty sure if you had some, you'd enjoy it. Yep. All right. I think I'll have some today. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Near Rachel's booth was Desiree Garcia. Her booth focused on corn mush, and I tried a couple of tablespoons of it, and it tasted like roasted corn and clay. It wasn't sweetened or salted, which allowed for more of those natural flavors to come through. Here's Desiree. So um, what we did was we took the corn that is grown here at the Endebi Kayot Farm from last year, and we harvested it last year, dried it out, and we picked all the kernels off of the cob um, and then ground it, ground it into a fine meal. Um, after that, um, we usually use a really thin lining um, of fat and coat it in a pan to just coat the pan and put the cornmeal in along with um, water with a thick consistency of cornmeal and a little bit of ashes, oh, and that's it. And what does the ashes do to the corn mush? Um, um, a long time ago, they would put a little bit of ashes in there from the fire, and um, it has a lot of calcium. All right. Cool, How, what did you think about uh, this year's Harvest Festival? Um, the Harvest Festival is an amazing festival. It's really grown and taking its foundation in the past years and it this year was really cool because we had collaborating tribes come from all over um, Indian country so it's really cool because we get to collaborate and exchange and share in um, our indigenous culture and food.
And you know what helps that corn mush go down? Fresh trout. I met with Emery Hoffman, who was busy dipping trout into batter and dropping them into some hot oil. Our staff, we went out fishing. That's my job. Uh, I'm with the Water Resources Program and the Watershed Program. We went out seven of us guys. We went out to our local lake up here and fished half a day. We caught 60 fishes, rainbow trout, and just in one day. We thought it would take longer, but it didn't. So that was a creel. That's how much we needed to get. So traditionally, um, where where do um, uh, rainbow trout stand, like traditionally? Rainbow trout, uh, those are introduced to us here on the reservation, but we have our own version of the rainbow trout. It's called Apache trout. And right now we have two fisheries, the Williams Creek Fish Hatchery and I'll just say Fish Hatchery. They locally uh, breed them up there and they stock our rivers and lakes also. And you cook them in some kind of batter. Can you tell me about the batter? Uh, I can't tell you what kind it is. It's secret. (laughs) (laughs) Nah. What I use is cornmeal and some flour and lemon pepper. And I soak them in some eggs and some milk batter, you know, the fish in there. And using canola oil and fry the fish up with it. And that's mainly what I do. Have you always grown up uh, fishing, and why do you like fishing? Yeah, my family and I, we, we, we live right beside the river, so I was always I was always fishing or swimming early in the morning, no matter what year it is. I go out fishing in the winter, you know, the summer months. I lived in the water, so that's why I'm like that. Cool. Is the, the fisheries like an economic venture for the tribe? Yes, it, we got some lakes, uh, which are private lakes up there. You can actually rent it, two lakes that we have on our reservation that, you know, corporate or private companies, they can go with their families, rent it out, and it's their lake for the amount of time they want to rent it for. Other than that, we had trophy fishing up there in Christmas Tree Lake, which it's a pretty good lake. We have it from... I think Memorial Day to Labor Day. It stays open and it's fisherman's paradise. You get some big old patchy trouts and brown trout out of there. And that's in a high country. And we got another lake up there. It's Pachita Lake. It's on the far east side. And that's another catch and release lake also. But we do have pretty good fishes up here year round, even ice fishing. We also have some uh, stock tanks that have catfish and largemouth bass, smallmouth bass. Our rivers have channel cat and yet other types of catfish, but I don't fish them. I just go for smallmouth bass. And this year, all we did was cook rainbow trout. Two years ago, I cooked patchy trout. So now it's good. Everybody likes it. You know, it's just something I like doing. What, what is the difference between an Apache trout and a rainbow trout? <laughs> it's like your neighbors. They're both Apaches, but they got different uh, feeding habits, the skin coloring and stuff like that, and their meats are different within them. You, know, you can see a white meat to a red meat within there. And the Apache trout, you know, some people have taste for that. Others have rainbow. Others have brown trout or brook trout. You know, that's what they like. It's just, depending on who you are, I, I prefer brook trout over all of them.
there were a lot of people around Andrea Beatty's booth because her table was filled with wild plants, a grinding stone, and a large box of Apache Trail mix. She also sang a traditional harvest song for the crowd. Uh, my name is Andrea Beatty. I'm from CBQ, Arizona. I'm um, this student, born for Church uh, Ishjene. For, and this is for Apache trail mix, right? Yeah. I'm cutting up the walnuts and mixing it with roasted corn and acorn. The the acorn, we eat it with um, acorn stew, stew and acorn dumplings. All kinds of way we mix it. So we eat it for our digestive system. Uh-huh. What, what are some of your uh, personal favorite traditional foods? Acorn stew. That's what I like. Acorn stew and fry bread. Okay. Yeah, huh? All right. Tell me a little bit about the um, tra- wild nuts right here and how they're ground. The wild nuts? Which yeah. one? This one? Yeah. Well, right now they're in season. So I was on the road and I seen this, so I just started picking it. And in the winter time, when, when you're inside hibernating, we'll be popping them open, make it with cookies or just eat it with a handful or make it with cake. That's what we do. Later, I met with Shalitha Peaches. She was wearing a traditional Apache cam dress and she helped manage the farm's booth where they sold some of their produce. We did this short interview in the garden where grasshoppers hopped in and out of the squash. Hi everyone, my name is Shalitha Peaches, I'm White Mountain Apache. And I work here at the farm as a distribution manager. I started about, um, well I actually started in 2009 as a seasonal intern uh, with a WIA and throughout uh, that time I was um, shadowing people, mainly the bosses. And um, the last place I went was the farm and that was like in 2016 I believe. And what has um, working here sort of meant for your life personally? I just got the chills just with you asking me that. Um, for me personally, it's, it's a lot from my identity um, all the way up to finding who I am. Um, I'm still in the process of as still finding that, but um, this has done so much for me. I've learned my language. Um, I've also networked with so many people, met them. They're amazing. Um, so it's like uh, the world just got a whole lot smaller for me with meeting people from um, all over an Indian country and so uh, it just gives me the opportunity to grow um, as a young Apache woman and so um, and also like to just be able to uh, be independent and uh, learning to be on my own has been a huge thing for me since since I was born actually and so um, I had to learn how to grow up on my own and I was raised with my grandparents so they were um, my rock since the beginning so without them I, I wouldn't know where I would be um, and as well as my team like uh, Clayton, Emily, uh, Cheryl, Mike those guys are all my mentors I learned everything from that like from them uh, from seed saving to how to build to how to 
do an interview like I, do, I couldn't do that without them and so um, it, it definitely means a lot um, so yeah okay. what's one of your favorite things about being in the garden right now everything all the greens from the tallest sunflowers to the squash so everything like it's green it's lush um, I think my favorite part is when everything is ready to harvest and uh, it's amazing to see uh, what it comes from from a seed all the way to when it's ready to harvest when you can eat them and so um, everything in between is like uh, especially getting my hands in the dirt um, it's actually shown that when you get your hands in the dirt it's like like a I guess a, something happens biologically like the microbes and all that happens and I guess it's good for you stress-wise to get that out of your system and so that's a way to connect and um, so that's uh, I think one of my favorite parts is getting my hands in dirt and so yeah and um, let's see so uh, you're a young person um, uh, gardening seems to be taking on in a couple of different communities all over the place and it's a, a lot of elders who are kind of spearheading um, uh, gardening and, and bringing that kind of knowledge back how do you think uh, we can get more young people involved in in gardening and, and bringing these kinds of seeds back um, I think for me uh, the one thing that I really liked about um, the people that I looked up to was they were very patient with me um, they were opening like they're very open-minded to things I had suggested and um, kind of they they basically listened um, so I think um, being very patient and just listening um, I think is one of the key things that the uh, my team has taught me um, as well as patience because sometimes we tend to clash heads and stuff but um, I think one of the main one was uh, the team uh, we're very patient with each other and so um, I think if our elders and everyone um, who are older than us are willing to teach um, if, if they're patient and because um, I, I know some teachers can be very pushy and just push that on you but I think if you really um, want to connect with the youth and bring them in um, just listen to who they are um, each one has something different each one has a language each one either um, is connected in one way and once you find the outlet like there's no way you're gonna not get them in because um, you're definitely well uh, it's just basically being patient with them and finding what makes them tick why um, either that or connecting them with who they are because um, I know a lot of um, young ones were, were losing our identity um, our language and everything in between so um, it's just being patient with us is I think one of the big ones I hope that the teachers do with us so and you can't forget Chef Nephi Craig and the Cafe Gojo team. You heard from Nephi in episode three of this podcast. So if you want to hear more from him, head on over to episode three. So he and his team roasted some vegetables in an underground pit and they unearthed it in the middle of the festival. All right, go ahead and get your shovel under this side right here. And then go ahead, careful top. Put it down, lay it down, lay it down. Keep going, yeah. So, so inside here, we, we, when we built the fire, there's flat lava rocks on the bottom. And then when the fire was burning, we, we, we took some small lava rocks and we put it in the fire. And when, those, when the fire burned down and it was really hot, we took all the small lava rocks out and we made really, really uh, strong salt water with our salt from the canyon. 
And then when their rocks were hot, we, we doused them and they got all salty. So the rocks are seasoning the food. So you'll see. Go ahead, Chef. Yes, yeah, Chef. That's why these rocks are all white, is because they're covered in salt. Be careful, try not to get too much dirt in there. Chef. That's what this guy's doing. All right. One container for uh, potatoes on that side, one corn on this side right here. Got all the rocks, careful, careful. Got all the ones on this side. Right here. All right. So, this food tradition is thousands and thousands of years old. It's in our blood to cook like this. And it's really, really cool. <laughs> here, you want to grab, a, grab the corn? As Nephi and the team processed the roasted vegetables from the ground, I asked for an update on the cafe. Cafe Gojo is a Western Apache cafe and learning center. It's on the White Mountain Apache tribe in a community called North Fork. And um, we're currently under construction, but we've been working and doing a lot of community-based work for over the past two years. Uh, we're, we're shooting to hopefully be open by late fall or winter uh, this year. So it'll be uh, uh, fresh Western Apache cooking using a lot of ingredients from our, uh, our landscape and also from here, the farm in Debikia. That was my time at the 6th Annual Apache Harvest Festival in Canyon Day, Arizona. I'd like to thank the folks at Indebikeya for welcoming me and putting on such an important event. Even though it was hot, I enjoyed myself and all the food samples there were filling and they made me feel good. Even the Apache Kool-Aid. Remember Anna said you have to have an acquired taste to enjoy Apache Kool-Aid? I think I have that acquired taste for bitter drinks because I'm a 100 IBUs kind of girl. If you're curious about other native food events, they are happening all over the country all the time. If you're in the Four Corners area, the San Juan Water Agriculture Symposium is happening on Saturday, September 22nd in Farmington. The event covers Navajo culture, weaving, food, and sheep. It also focuses on water policy and law. And for more information, you can go to the Facebook event, look for the San Juan Water Agriculture Symposium. Also, don't forget about the third annual Indigenous Comic Con happening November 2nd to the 4th here in Albuquerque. Chef Brian Yazzie and I will be collaborating on an awesome food event. And there's going to be dozens of native comic book illustrators, panels, and cosplayers. I've been to the last two Comic-Cons, so trust me, it's an exciting event. So check out IndigenousComicCon.com for more information about that. 
and Toasted Sister is produced and hosted by me, Andy Murphy. This podcast is supported by the Kiwanik Broadcast Corporation. And music was created for Toasted Sister by C.W. Ione. Check out more of his Mississippi Hill Country Blues at cwione.com. That's c-w-a-y-o-n.com. And look for him on all social media platforms. <laughs>